Welcome in to Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Austin Chastain, alongside Andrew Loveland. But real quick, before I bring Andy in to talk about CMU sports, um, this is our first recording of the semester and uh, our first recording since uh, Don Shido was killed in a car accident uh, on December 4th. Um, Shido was the voice of the Chippewas, uh, both football and men's basketball. Uh, his sense of humor and his, really his quick wit was, is, is missed by all of those in the Central Michigan community. Uh, Don was a great talent on the radio. And like I said, his sense of humor was sec- second to none. And we at Maroon and Bold and CM Life extend our deepest thoughts and, and prayers to, to Don's family in the Central Michigan community. Um, you know, I, one, of, one, of, one of the first times I met Don was actually at a, at a CMU men's basketball game. Um, he was he was on the radio. It was one of the first games I was one of the first basketball games that I was able to cover um, here. Just actually, just one year ago, um, just about a year ago, and you know, I came down, introduced myself to Don, and and <laughs> I, I I don't remember the joke, but I remember he told me a told me a joke and and kind of eased let me ease into the Central Michigan media uh, community, I guess, and. Don was always just a really nice guy and always I always enjoyed working alongside him because we'd always have great conversations just about CMU sports maybe even you know we were we were just talking we just just get to hang out and shoot the breeze and that was one of my favorite things about Don and um you know we're we we miss him greatly um you know he's a father figure to many especially um Adam Jaxa he's he's the guy that's been able to step into the play-by-play role, uh, especially on the radio, um, especially on the road games. He, he's been traveling by himself, and he's been doing a heck of a job uh, filling in uh, for for Don, for his mentor. Uh, so props to Adam and for everything he's been able to do so far um, You know, with the MAC championship, which we'll get into here in just a little bit, the New Mexico Bowl. Um, and like I said, so far with the men's basketball slate, um, and I know all those. I, I feel like I speak for some in the Central Michigan community when I say um, to the Mid American Conference and to some of the other teams uh, honoring Don before games. And uh, it's it's really appreciated. Uh, so we want to say thank you to those other teams and uh, well and and the Mid American Conference as well uh, for honoring Don the way that they have uh, since his since his passing. Um, Don, we miss you. Uh, we'll, we'll have a corona for you. Um, we've, we've had a couple of coronas for you. Um, hopefully you're looking down on Central Michigan and, and, and enjoying what you see. Um, now's the time. Now's the time to bring in Andy Loveland. Um, Andy, how uh, how's the semester been going for you so far, man? I mean, we're one week in. No major... Uh fires or anything yet which is harder than you would think to do even during syllabus week but I think it's going to be a good semester it's shaping up that way and I'm I'm excited for it to get actually started and get into some physical you know work and different things like that right for sure for sure classes looking okay oh yeah I mean I had to switch some around just because I realized like ADMs are harder to get to than you'd think <laughs> yeah no I ADMs are terrible man those yeah. are those are some of the worst but uh Central Michigan sports, man. Yeah, let's there, get there's a, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we were blessed with a, a really good fall. 
a lot of good teams to play, and it looks like it's going to be a really good spring. You know, we can, I mean, we can start, I think, by wrapping up kind of what we saw in the fall, and that was CMU football playing for a MAC championship. Yeah, going going from one eleven to MAC West division champions. I I I don't think I would have seen that coming. Nobody did, of course, but um, just really interesting just how how Jim McElwain was able to take a program that had its historically worst season and turn it into a conference championship berth yeah it's just incredible and and the way that they were able to do it the way they were able to play I mean sure they had they had a couple of games you know like the, the western game the buffalo game both stick out in my mind as games that were pretty bad and I think I think we could argue that maybe last year, those like after those games, season would have been over. But they were able to fight back and, and rally back and like go win a MAC go win a MAC division title. Yeah, absolutely. Huge. I mean, it was one of those things where I think even early on in the season, you know, they're two and one after week three. The only loss being you know that big goose egg against Wisconsin. But I think you're looking and you're saying, okay, if this team gets bowl eligible, we'll take it, fast forward a couple of weeks, a month or two, and suddenly we're saying, this team's a touchdown away from the MAC championship, and they probably should have won it. Like, a few plays go their way, and suddenly, you know, CMU's raising up another banner and not Miami of Ohio. So, I mean, credit to Coach Mack and his coaching staff and what they were able to build in one year. I think they've got a lot of foundational pieces that they can build on for next year. I mean, the bowl game was a bit of a shock, and I think a bring come back down to reality type of situation where it's like, okay, we've done a lot. We're not, you know, one of the top, you know, maybe group of five teams just yet. Right, and I mean, I I think there's still there's still a couple of question marks. You know, looking at the quarterback position with Quentin Dormady graduating and. David Moore, I mean, it's looking like his suspension, we don't know, we don't know, but it's it's looking like that suspension might be upheld. And like I said, we, we don't know anything about that. Once we figure that out, we will obviously let you guys know, but we, just the way these things work, I mean, it, it, it very rarely are they overturned. Um, so he, he might not be able to come back until October. So who's going to start the first six games of the year? Is it going to be Daniel Richardson? Is it going to be... You know any of any of these guys that they're going to bring in? Like, n- no one has any idea, and that that's kind of a problem area, I, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm Jim McElwain, I'm getting ready for an entire spring semester of uh, not only CM Life reporters, but reporters from around the area asking questions about who the starting quarterback will be, and well, it'll be interesting to see how he answers that. If he knows, if he's willing to say, you know, spring the day of the spring game, yep. Uh, it's going to be Daniel Richardson, or if he's going to play the long game and say, well, we'll make that decision, you know, end of August when our first game is. So I, you know, I don't know what the obvious answer is. I mean, we saw Daniel Richardson fill in a handful of times this season at the end of games, play the last handful of minutes, but nothing that would say to you he was so good in the end of those games where that's a clear starter, but also you're playing with other guys who are you know, getting a chance to play minutes, and we don't know what necessarily is going into every practice and stuff like that. So we don't know what 
Charlie Fry and Jim McElwain are seeing in the quarterback room and on the practice field. So it'll be interesting to see how they're handling that, even just starting through the spring semester and spring practices and stuff. What What is Matt going to say? Right. Not. I mean, looking at last year, I mean, when McElwain brought in Quentin Dormady, it kind of was a foregone conclusion that he would start, but he never really said, oh, yeah, this is going to be our starter. He didn't say that until, I want to say, like two weeks before the season. And and maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my recollection. Um, well, and I think part of that, though, if if we want to, you know, maybe put an opinion on it, is if you look, maybe when he brought Quentin Dormady in, he thought he was getting one quarterback. And then as we saw throughout the season, I think David Moore was the better quarterback on the roster. And, you know, Dormady wasn't necessarily head and shoulders above every other quarterback the way maybe Mac had thought when he brought him in. So maybe there was some question of, like, do I just go with more right away? And whereas, I mean, it's a similar situation this year. I don't know if there's one quarterback on the roster right now eligible to play week one that's a ton better than who else we got. Right, exactly. So that's just kind of – it's one of those things, obviously, as a coach, that you, you just have to figure out and, that, like, and and Mac and McElwain, he's obviously head coach. He he gets paid he gets paid to do this, so he's he's obviously he's got it under control, um, and well, he'll figure it out come yeah. week one. But I I'm really interested to see what spring practice looks like for CMU yeah. and really the spring game how that's gonna go. Yeah, who he'll have out on what, but exactly. you know, and no matter the quarterback situation, you still got like a guy like Kobe Lewis, and you got playmakers on the outside, so quarterback is going to be a big thing. Can someone just get the ball to some of these receivers? But Tony Poljan looked like a really good tight end towards the end of the season. And so you're going to have a lot of playmakers on the offense. You just got to find anyone that can run that. And maybe, you know, Mac can figure out a couple of ways to make it easier on the quarterback. So it's not, you know, you don't have to throw for 300 yards. We're, we're going to get some ground game, you know, similar way we saw this year with Ward and Lewis, where it's just, you know, there's games where they both rush for a hundred, 150 yards. Right. Quarterback and can do anything. Exactly, and I don't, I don't, and that that package with Tommy Lazaro too. Yeah, at quarterback. Yeah, can they replace that at all? I don't think so. Because I mean, you're losing Jonathan Ward. You're losing. You're losing Quentin Dormady. You're losing Tommy Lazaro. So that's going to be the big question: is how do how do you uh, how do you replace those guys? I know I don't know if you can replace those guys, but how do you try to make up for the for the workload that you're losing? Yeah, I don't. I don't see a way they that they like I don't see a direct way. I think they're they might have to split it up a little bit, you know, the way they were doing it, but I think the even bigger question aside from these positions is up front. You're losing a handful of, you know, guys who have been here 4 years on the offensive line or even more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like can you can you find do you have starters who can come in right away and replace that production or is it one of those things where you've got guys who are capable, they just need time under their feet? So could it be three, four, five, six games before you, you know, have an offensive line that's up to the quality we saw this year where really there were a lot of games they were kind of bullying other play other teams in the Mac. I mean, obviously, you know, you look at some of those games we got bullied, but it starts up front and that'll be that'll be a big question for Mac too, is what do you do about that? Yeah, I mean that's that's another obviously that's a that's a huge point because I think that's how CMU was able to win the win the Mac Mac West, excuse me, was able to get get its way to the Mac Championship was like you said, just bullying other teams and running them over, and that's that's how they were able to utilize 
Jonathan Ward and Kobe Lewis to effectively bulldoze defenses. That's so looking at that, and that's that's going to be the really big, really big question going into spring camp, and then of course going into fall camp is how are they going to be able to do it? Yeah. And I, like you said, I don't think there is a direct way. I think I think CMU is going to have to kind of spread it out, like you said. I, I I'm in total agreement with you on that. Like, the, they'll they'll have to figure out a way. And like I said, that's why they get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But if you want to look at you know some good things that they've got aside from those playmakers, you saw defensively, you know, Kyron McKinney Harper and some freshmen making huge contributions because of due to injuries and whatnot. So you've got some defensive guys who are coming back and who looked good as freshmen. So I I think they're in a good spot. And like you said, I mean, if whether or not Mac wants to be here another 20 years or another year, next year is going to be an important step for him to have a good football team and he'll have to fi- figure these answers out, you know, either way. Yeah, I mean, if he can, if he can try to figure it out and, and get back to the Mac championship, I think he's – I mean, he's he's gonna he's definitely gonna get some Power Five offers. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm, and again, that's that's a thing we we're not completely sure of this year if he had any or not. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he was in, not maybe he was in conversation, but some of the Power Five teams were thinking of him. It sounds like he was in contention maybe for a few, but maybe not the, a top two or three option you know like maybe he wasn't getting offered the job but it was like okay if this guy and this guy don't want it you know do we do we make the call to central michigan right and like i said if 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 cmu has another big year i i think you know he's definitely gonna max definitely gonna get some yeah he'll definitely five offers yeah he'll definitely get the offers whether or not he takes them because i mean that's the other thing we don't know is what does he want in his next job you know he is it something specific he's looking for? Because if not, you know, maybe he takes any Power 5 offer, but if it's something specific he wants and, you know, I don't know, a, a team in the lower end of any of those conferences calls, maybe he doesn't necessarily jump at it because maybe he doesn't view it that way. Right, and, I mean, he, every time we asked him about it, he he made it seem like he wants to be here. Yeah. and now if, I'll give him that much credit. Uh, sure, and, I mean – I I don't know. That's just the thing. Like, and I agree with you again. That yeah, I give him credit for uh, saying that he wants to be here and, and showing that he wants to be here. But when it comes time for the the decision if he wants to go to a Power Five team or stay here, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But you know, like I said, like you said, kudos to him for you know at least it, for putting putting the voice to it that he wants to stick around. So. Well, like I say, we'll 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 see what happens, uh, maybe this time next year, because I mean, if, like I said, seeing he has a big year, there's no doubt that he's gonna he's gonna have some conversations, and we'll see what happens. But. Yeah, we'll we'll see who coaches the bowl game. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> a little transition, men's basketball, men's yes. basketball. Different coach, Keno Davis. Yes, he's been he's been that kind of the steadfast coach so far. Chippewas undefeated at home so far. What what's what's what you know what's a little bit to know about this team? Uh, they love the three ball. They're gonna they're gonna shoot a lot of threes. Whether that's good or bad for them, 
I don't know if anyone's 100% sure if you talk to some people, you know, in the stands at games or, you know, if you're if you're at the media table, you don't even have to talk to people. People will let you know their opinion right behind you. And some people really like that style. And some people say you're not going to be able to win the Mac shooting as many threes as they do. But I, they've got some guys, you know, that have been there a while. David DeLeo, Kevin McKay, who've got heart. And, you know, we saw McKay made that that big game winner the other day against Kent State, I believe is who he made that Northern over. Illinois. Nor- Northern Illinois, the game before that. Yeah, because they lost to Kent State. Right. Lost to Kent State, then beat Toledo. But we don't know 100% about this team because I think – you know, we looked at a game like Toledo, and maybe at least I thought I don't. I thought Toledo would take it, and maybe by ten or twelve, fifteen points, and CMU ends up on top. We've seen them have leads against Texas, DePaul, like th- those are you know names that I think people around the country would at least recognize. Yeah, and, and just kind of looking at that at the non-conference season as a whole, it's kind of it was up and down. I mean, the, those first four games all at home against some NAIA opponents, and Sam Houston State. Um, the Sam Houston State game, that was very competitive, and I think that was that was really good for CMU to have. Mm-hmm. But the other, I mean, the other three games, they won each of those games by more than 40 and, the, and two of them by more than 50. So that's it's not much competition. Is it is it helpful to, you know, get the three ball rolling, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I think that Minnesota game where they – they got beat pretty bad. Um, that game, as you said before, Andy, it kind of brought them back down to reality. Brought brought them. Okay, let's reset. Let's 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 come back. Let's kind of return to the fundamentals and not put not looking to put up 115 points per game or 105 yeah. points per game or however many they are averaging through that first four game stretch. So. Those road games, I think, were were helpful. Keno Davis thought the same thing. I mean, he was like, "What did he say?" He said, "I I think once I hope when we look back at our non conference season after the regular season's over, let's look back at that non conference season and hope that it helps or hope that it helped out mm-hmm. because those there was a four game stretch uh, in December too." I believe it was from December 6th to the 28th or something like that. Yeah, December 8th to 28th. Right, so a 20-day 20, 20 stretch where they played four games, all of them on the road, all of them against teams that have made the NCAA tournament recently. And the the game against Purdue was – it seemed you actually did hold a lead briefly in that game, but Purdue, I think, is one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I'm not going to say they're the best team in the Big Ten, but – Definitely one of the better teams if you're looking at that conference. And then looking at the Mid-American Conference, who knows, honestly. With, mm-hmm. In men's basketball, who knows what's going to happen? Because it seems like all the teams are all pretty much equal. Each team, you know, I'm sure there's probably a better team somewhere, but almost all, I feel like almost all of these teams are just so close that it's it's going to be super competitive. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out a lot Saturday that Buffalo will be here at McGurk. And Buffalo is two-time defending champions. Right. So 
they, I mean, I think that's everyone's pick probably to win again, if I had to guess. I've heard, I've heard ramblings of Akron being one of the – I mean, they're they're leading the East Division at 4-0, and yeah. 14-3 overall. So the Zips are off to a pretty good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean – I Regardless of what you think of Buffalo, it's a, if it's a win for CMU Saturday, I think that says this team has the potential to be one of the number one teams in the, in the MAC. If they lose and it's close, I think you can still say, okay – they're top half of the MAC. They're up there where they can fight with Buffalo. If they get, you know, squashed, then we have to start asking, I think, more questions about how helpful is that non-conference when you're going. I mean, you're basically going in four-game stretches where it's four games that you win. You know, like you said, by they beat Siena Heights almost. You know, as a one fifteen to fifty-eight. That's you're approaching like you know sixty-point victory there and. You know, then it's like then you play four games, like you said later on, where you get smoked in most of them because they're big schools. So we'll see how much that helped. But so far, they're three and one in the MAC. That's that's a good start for them. Well, and throughout the non-conference season, they didn't they didn't pick up a, a road win at all. All their wins came came at home. Yeah, and then they went to Kent State and lost, and it, that game was close, super close. I, I mean, again, I I feel like it almost goes without saying, like we kind of brought it how we brought in the topic the, the Mac is just so competitive that I don't feel like you can say any game is a guaranteed win yeah I mean they beat Miami of Ohio by 11 and but then you look at that the rest of their games are all decided within you know seven points right and yeah. one point if you're looking at Northern well, Illinois yeah the last a last second shot and then you know Kent State was close and Toledo you know was close so I mean like you said, I just don't – there's no clear-cut favorite this year in the MAC, and I think a lot of it depends on how, for Kino and those guys, how they develop and how these uh, JUCO transfers eventually mesh with what, you know, we've had here. And if any of those younger players, you know, like uh, P.J. Mitchell or some of those guys who have been on the bench, you know, maybe a year or two, do they find a role or is it – you know, six or seven guys that Keno's going to have to play because that's not going to get it done later in the season. Right, and I completely agree with you, but uh, I, I feel like this team, this year's team kind of compares to last year's team just a little bit. Um, and and really, it's it's just how how gritty it, the team is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, David DeLeo told me after the Purdue game that this team, this year's team is just as gritty as last year's team, even though the, the two guys that led last year's team and Sean Roundtree and Larry Austin. Both of them are gone. But they still have an intense mindset. They, yeah. they, they're they going to come out and, and battle in every game. And I think we've seen that. We've seen that, you know, in all of these almost in all of these road games, in in each game so far in the Mac, I mean they're they've been they've been closely contested. I mean the Miami game, yeah, it was an eleven point win, but I mean it was it was it was close. I mean, yeah. it seemed you pulled away in the final like th- two yeah, or three yeah. minutes. Almost garbage time type stuff. It, right, exactly. Because I mean, Miami was probably two shots away from either yeah. forcing that game to overtime or just taking it outright. So it's it's been really interesting and and kind of like you said with the development of the JUCO players and Devonte Lane, Trayvon Broadway Jr. and Deshaun Winston. Lane has has developed nicely so far for mm-hmm. CMU. He's been the starting point guard. Um, he 
did miss the Purdue game with injury, and he he did get hurt against Kent State, but he was he came back and he was totally fine. Yeah. Um, so just seeing how how well he's been playing and, and all this stuff, it's it like I said, it kind of reminds me of, of last year's team with with Larry Austin being the senior. He's only he only had one year here, and he 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 did really well. Um, you know, Dallas Morgan too. He's he's come into to his own. He's been playing incredibly yeah. well. Uh, he's especially at home. He especially at home in the second half. He seems to step up in the second twenty minutes and hit a big shot whenever yeah. whenever the Chippewas need one. Uh, and like you said, Kevin McKay and David Delito, they've both been playing playing well so far this year. McKay leads the team in scoring. So, and I think. I think one of the cool things about this team is how how deep it is. I mean, like you said, there are maybe six or seven guys that can play, but or that that play regularly. But those six or seven guys, any of them could have a really big night. Yeah, and I think you might even have a another you know eight or nine ninth guy who you know who could contribute and maybe as the season goes on work their way into a consistent you know lineup. But I think that grit is going to be a big thing through the regular season because. I mean, we've said it, I don't know, we're going to hammer it home for the millionth time, but the MAC is close. You're going to need a lot of the win, a lot of these close games, whether it's, you know, 75, 76 or whatnot. So if you're on the right side and you've got the grit and you, you know, get a handful of those victories, you'll get the right seating in the MAC tournament. If you lose, you know, a couple of those coin flip type games, who knows where you'll find yourself, you know, as far as that goes. And that's, I think that's the, the good thing for CMU and the bad thing is there's going to be a lot of games that come down to the wire and you dig deep and they've shown they can so far. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And just kind of looking at last year. I mean, that's kind of, cause I mean, CMU was in line for one of the top, one of the top four seeds in the Mac tournament, which grants you a first round buy and automatically puts you to Cleveland, but they lost their last couple of games. I mean, beat up Western Michigan, which, Western had a down year last year. Looking to the the Broncos, I think are improving a little bit this year, so watch out for them. But you know, it just like I said last year, those those close games, CMU wasn't on the right side of, and it, and I'm not gonna say it cost them, but it cost them that that buy to automatically get to Cleveland. Uh, and they had to play that first round game in McGurk against Western. Which I mean, they handled no problem, but you, I think you would prefer to not play that, not play that game and just go right ahead and go straight to Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, and I, I think real quick looking at this, you know, and we'll wrap up men's talk here for a second. But they play uh, at home against Akron February fifteenth. And then after that, you have your final six games. Two of them are at home. Four of them are on the road. So that – Those are big games on the road too. Look, yeah. At Ohio, at Northern Illinois. Then you have the home game against Toledo. At, at Eastern. Eastern at and then Ball at State. Ball State. And then you're home to finish the season against Western. But – I mean, you play three home games in a month. Yeah. And in the MAC, I feel like that's going to be really tough for them. Yeah. So yeah. we'll we'll just see what happens. I'm 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 anxious to see what happens with uh, with the rest of the the MAC season where the Chippewas end up in the MAC tournament uh, for the men's side. 
And on the women's side, Chippewas have gotten off to a great start. 11-4 and four overall, 4-0 and oh in MAC play. How the Chippewas... And, and really, and they, they lost their first three games in the non-conference season, too. Yeah. And lost a close game to Central Florida. Very How close. The, they, they won 10 out of 11 games to cap off the non-conference season. How how are they able to do it, and what's what's going so right for the Chippewas right now? Well, I mean, the, the entire season, even if we want to take a look at those first three games that they lost, I mean, Green Bay was double overtime. Twin Kelly, Michaela Twin Kelly, was fouled out. Maddie Waters had fouled out in the fourth quarter. You know, Twin fouls out in sec- the first overtime. So you're playing an entire second overtime and much of the first overtime without – two of your more experienced, and your best player. So they barely lost that game. They held tight with number nine Louisville at the time. Like So they barely lose to Louisville, you know, who pulls away in garbage time. But, yeah, then then you start winning. You, you know, rattle off a handful of victories in a row, lose to a close game to UCF. But they're just on another level right now. I mean, Kelly is the number two scorer in the country, she, you know, averaging around 25 points a game. She won four straight. She won four Mag- consecutive Mac. Player West Player of the Week, and the only reason she didn't win five, I think, is because people got tired of voting for her. Like I, you can make a really strong case that she should have won five in a row. Looking at that, you know that Miami game and those games against Ohio. So, you know, but I they're they're good, and you look at the scariest part is uh, so they played. We're recording this on Thursday. They played last night, Wednesday against Ball State. Ball State's the number one defensive team in the MAC. They not only scored 66 points on Ball State, they held them to 39. That was by far Central Michigan's best defensive performance. And if that team starts playing defense like that, that's it. You could write down no losses in the MAC and a MAC and a MAC championship. Right. Well, just looking at, it, I mean, Ball State, maybe not one of the best offensive teams in the conference, but definitely, I feel like one of the better teams defensively. I mean, um, they were the number. They're still the even with yesterday's game. They're still the number one ranked scoring defense in the country in the in the MAC. Right, the because you know, and you look at it. Oh my, like oh my gosh, it's a twenty-seven point win for CMU. That's still CMU still only scored sixty-six points, which I say only. But if you look at their other games, I mean, that's one of their season season lows outside of it's their season low in a win for sure. Um, yeah, I mean but every it, other game they've you know it, sixty five was a low again was the low against Oakland and they beat Oakland but that's right, but but I mean even still like they, you know they don't have to score they don't have to score a ton of points to win games which is something this is really interesting because last year they were able to score a lot of points with Raina Frost Presley Hudson and obviously those two those two have moved on to play professionally in Europe but. CMU still finding a way to get it done with with so much change going on throughout the program with Heather Osterley taking over for Sue Guevara, Reyna and Presley both leaving. How they like how have they been able to, I guess, work through that change? I mean, I'll say the first thing about working through it is I think the key is Heather's been there for you know the, this is I think this is her ninth or tenth year with the program first as head coach but she's been there she's been in and out you know with these players every day and you know they're used to working with her you know they've been working with her 
So they know Heather and they know what her level of expectation is. So there's not, you know, there wasn't a shift in expectations when she took over. She's saying like, yep, we won the Mac last year in the regular season. We're going to win it this year. That's the expectation. And I think players knew that coming in. And what you've had is, you know, Kelly has really stepped up her game. I mean, nation's number two scorer. She's carried them at times. And Heather will tell you that the other players will tell you that, but Earlier in the season, there were times where you'd watch and, you know, you're saying, okay, she's got 30 points, but making some plays, making some reads, maybe that you don't love, you know, I'm not going to say selfish play, but, you know, missing some passes and things like that. And I think, I don't know if it was her and Heather watching tape together or what, but not only has she continued to score at that clip, but you're seeing fewer and fewer of those plays. Like she's making the right play almost every time now. And, you know, Heather and her even talked about it after one of the post games where it's like, yep, that was one of the things that they worked on. And, you know, now she's not only getting her points, but making everyone around her better. And I think that's that's a big part of the change that you've seen, too, where, okay, if I'm an opposing team, my two options for stopping this team are to basically say, I'm going to stop Kelly or do I let Kelly get what she's going to get and then hopefully try and stop everyone else? Right, exactly. And to to that point of she, I guess, not playing selfishly, but I think she was just trying to do too much. Like, yeah, I would say do too much is the best way to describe it because it wasn't like one of those things where if somebody's wide open, she was finding him. It, was, it wasn't like that. It was just... She it, and it's not that she does. She didn't want to distribute the basketball because yeah. she obviously does. She just maybe make just like a way too fancy of a pass instead of to yeah, try to try to get the ball into a different spot than somewhere else that might have been a little bit of a better read. Because and you're right. Like I, I I was there watching the uh, the season opener against Green Bay and I, I I noticed that that was the thing that came to my mind was man I I think she might be trying to do just a little bit too much. Yeah, but. But you've seen you've seen her turnovers decline yeah. exponentially throughout the entire season, and it's it's definitely and and as those turnovers decline, Central Michigan ascends. Right? Well, and I think the other big thing too is you've seen. I mean, Kira Bustle was the leading scorer in the first game. Molly Davis has had games of twenty three points, of twenty one points. You've seen players grow. You know, Gabby Bird has stepped on the scene where she had twenty one points you know, one game and then she had 17 recently. She made a game winner over, you know, to be Ohio. Like, you know, she, uh, even a game against Miami where it wasn't a game winner, but you know, she helped make a three, you know, she had a block. She had, you know, she had a bunch of plays where, you know, she put them over the top. Definitely sealed it, sealed it for him. Oh, she sealed the Miami game with that three. You know, they were, they ended up being up like 15 with about two thirty left, you know, and stuff like that. But then yesterday was one of the things that was most telling to me where, Twin gets two fouls early. Heather has to take her out. You know, she's in foul trouble. She doesn't play the entire second quarter, misses most of the first quarter, and the team ends this first half with a seven-point lead. Game one against Green Bay, that wasn't happening. Nope. They No Twin Kelly, no lead. Now, the fact that she sat the entire, you know, almost the entire first half and they had a seven-point lead, you're like, okay. Like, yikes. You know, and I... I think you could even make the argument that they're starting to play some good basketball, but even some of their earlier wins weren't necessarily their best basketball. I mean, this is a team that's been there before, and they're working to peak in March when it matters the most. And it, I, this is 
I would say maybe even better than you thought the transition would go, even if you were the most optimistic fan in the world. Right, and I mean, in really, in, in looking at it, I mean, you kind of had to expect maybe a hiccup here or there, and I think you saw that hiccup with those three straight losses to open the season. Two of those games were were pretty close. The Western Kentucky game was 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 not close, but I think it was a, a good wake up call. Like okay. That's Heather Osterly saying, "Okay, let's let's go, let's go play yeah, some let's basketball." Climb down. Uh, yeah, let's start climbing that mountain and and peaking, like you said, at the right time. Maybe late February, March, for the MAC tournament, and make your way to the, to a third straight NCAA tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, right now they're basically in position to, if they keep this up, you you could see another situation like last year where you could lose in the championship round in the MAC tournament and still make the t- the NCAA tournament. Like, they're becoming one of those teams where it's like, if they've had a good season, y- they're going to make it because uh, for the second straight year, they've played Louisville incredibly tough. I mean, the game kind of got out of hand at the end. You know, Green Bay is a team who's, you know, always in the top 25 as far as mid-majors go. And, you know, they two overtimes it took. And, I mean, you could look and say in Molly Davis' first game, she had a chance to make a couple of free throws to ice it. And, you know, missed him, and that's not an indictment of Davis. or It's her first collegiate game, and we're talking about overtime. Right. Like, that's... I guess one of the one of the top mid-majors in the con- or in the country. And not to mention, I mean, she ended up playing like 49 out of 50 minutes in that game. Yeah. Like, that's... It, welcome, welcome to college basketball. But you're just... You have a lot of players and pieces that are starting to fit together, and Heather's done an incredible job, and her staff, I mean, Courtney Shelton did a bunch of the scouting report for Ball State, and... You know, then they ended up shutting out. I mean, Austin Brown was a player for Ball State that she she gets hers. You know, she she gets her points, and that was who you have to shut down. She gets 10 points. I mean, and it wasn't just that, but it's like you'd almost have to watch to find her on the court from how just not a factor she was against CMU yesterday. And so that team defense was a big thing. And, I mean, granted, I don't think they're a team that's going to – hold opponents to under 40 every week in the MAC, but if they have the ability to turn that on, especially, you know, first, second round of the tournament, that's against those lower seeds, you're, I don't know what you do if you're, if you're coaching against them, because if you try and push the tempo too much, that's their game. If you, now you're proving you, they can win in these slow it down games. It's, it's scary. They're good. And they've, they've got twins going to be getting a lot of national recognition here soon and maybe even outside of mid-major players and stuff like that. Like, she might find her way onto some national scenes. Right. I mean, she's the second highest scorer in the country. Yeah. Uh, so that, that'll that be – obviously, that's definitely something to look out for. But the, the way that she's been playing, the way she's improved – I mean, she scored in double digits every game. And I think I saw that she scored at least 20 points in – like a, a, I, I don't remember the stat off the top of my head, but she's she's she scored double digits in every game. Well, and look at this. Yesterday she didn't get twenty points. So you, you, what'd she finish with yesterday? Here I'm pulling it up, but she had. Uh, looks like she had eleven points yesterday. Again, she didn't play. Yep, she didn't play the entire second quarter. The last time she didn't have twenty points, she had seventeen. December fifth. That was against Iona, right? Yep. She goes nearly two months with 20-plus points. I mean, 
including a, a career-high 38 against South Dakota State, another top team in, in terms of mid-majors. Yeah. Not only was that game on the road, but like, but looking at last year, South Dakota State came into McGurk and, 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 and beat CMU. Yeah. And now CMU goes to, is it Bookings? It's Brookings. Brookings, Brookings South, South Dakota. Dakota, and returns a favor. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, it, I mean, at some point you almost get numb to the sentence of career high for Twin Kelly because it was just, I don't know how many times she set her own career highs. And it's the same thing with, like, Molly Davis. I mean, she's a freshman, so it's like he, he, every game for a while was her career high. Right, season you, high is career high, right? Yeah, but it's one of those things where you're like, how many times am I going to write this sentence? You know, you almost have it copy and paste it on your clipboard so you can just throw it in and replace the number. Right. Because she's just, she's just been on another level there. And, I mean, what like I said, the big thing now is you've got a supporting cast very capable of doing the same, like of having games like that too where, you know, Kira Bustle has had games at nearly 30. Molly Davis has done that. And you look at a player like Maddie Waters, in previous seasons she's had, you know, 25 or so points. So there's could be a game if Twins down where suddenly Maddie Waters makes six threes and and she's at 24 points. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been interesting to see the transition of the team and and just how really it hasn't missed much of a beat. No, they're completely bought in. And it, you talk to a, a players, coaches, there's there's no one, you know, longing for the days of Sue. I think they all respect coach G, but I think everyone within the program realized right away like this is our goals, and if we focus on who's not here, you know, because that includes Reyna and Presley, we're not going to achieve those. This is who we've got. This is the team we've got, and we've got a darn good one. Absolutely. Like, let's move forward. Absolutely. And, guys, uh, we'll, we're taking questions. Um, if you guys have any questions, um, I mean, always about any of the CMU sports, but um, especially for the for the women's basketball team, uh, go ahead and tweet at Andy. Uh, at Andy underscore Loveland and our other women's basketball reporter at C Boer one three two two. And if you have any questions about the men's team, um, you can tweet right at me uh, at a Chastain one five three five. And always uh, email. You can always email questions to uh, sports at cm hyphen life dot com. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, we'll we'll take. We'll we'll take them and we'll throw together a mailbag story um, here for you guys as well. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, wraps up women's basketball talk, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that's like I said, we'll answer those women's basketball and men's basketball questions best we can. But looking at some of our other you know spring season sports, you got wrestling and you've got gymnastics who are just starting their seasons, but they're off to good starts. Absolutely, you know. Looking at wrestling, I mean, the Chippewas come out. They're a very young team. CMU's a young team, but they were able to pick up ranked wins um, over Lock Haven and Ryder in the Mid American Conference. And then the Chippewas ended up ranked themselves. They were ranked twenty fourth and uh, took on Virginia Tech in McGurk Arena uh, right before right before everybody came back um, for for classes to start. Ultimately losing to the Hokies, but it was it was a a close match. You know, CMU had had its chances. I mean, they, they led the way um, for I think the first four uh, 
four bouts and then and then uh, Virginia Tech came back and and took the lead uh, halfway through. Uh, Missouri coming to town on Friday and it's a huge conference clash because yeah no Missouri in the Mid American Conference you, you don't expect that but the MAC's actually one of the biggest conferences um, one of the bigger conferences let's say that one of the bigger conferences in the country when it comes to wrestling so you know you, you, you'll see some you'll see some opponents come in to McGurk and you realize wow that's not normally a Mac school as in Missouri but they've been they've been a member of the Mac for quite some time um, you know the the development of, of the heavyweight Matt Stencil he's he he was he was a he was a strong guy last year. Um, he's kind of the anchor of the lineup, but he he said in the preseason that he wants to improve on his conditioning because last year he he would he would be able to 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 pin a lot of people, but if it got maybe past the second late second round or period excuse me um, into the third, then he 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 admitted that he he might have been in some trouble. He was able to win plenty of his matches, but. Uh, he struggled in those in those in later in matches, whereas this year he's been able against Virginia Tech. I mean, he won his match, and that, that I mean it was competitive. It was a close match throughout throughout the entire entirety, and he was able to win it in that third period. So that was that was something that he's been really improving on. Um, Drew Hildebrandt in the in the in the lightweight, I guess in the one twenty five, he. He's been improving constantly too. I mean, he's he's he was one of CMU's best, and injury kept him out um, for a little while last year. But he's been one of CMU's best this year as well. And Logan Parks, of course, he's he's been he's been doing well for CMU as well. Um, you know, and they they still have Tom Borelli said after I, after the Virginia Tech match, they still have a couple of spots that they're struggling with, um, but they're. Within that lineup, but they're they're getting better, and that's that's what Tom Brelli wants to see is is they're they're constantly improving. Uh, Dresden Simon is another guy that's been leading the charge, upping the charge, I guess for for the Chippewas too. He's he's been um, he's another guy that maybe didn't wrestle as much last year, um, but he's he's constantly improving this year. So that's arguably what. Exactly what Tom Borelli wants to see is his team improve and work their way to, as we say, as we said with the basketball teams, to peak in March and get ready for that for that postseason, uh, for those for those postseason events, right? Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's the thing with all these. You know, you look at the more spring sports; is they're all a little bit longer, more drawn out. You know, you think of like football; you, you got eleven games spread out over a couple of months, you know, hopefully you play 12 or 13. But, you know, with these spring sports, six months sometimes between the start and the finish, and that that's hard on, you know, even professional athletes' bodies, let alone, you know, college students who <laughs> there's a lot more that you, you know, you don't have the money for at all as far as nutrition and stuff goes. But it, it's tough, and if you can get your team peaking late, that that's the formula for winning, you know, championships. And when you talk about winning championships at CMU, there might be no more successful team than CMU Gymnastics. Right. Just a quick quick note before we transition. Um, CMU wrestling uh, at home Friday at 7 p.m. in McGurk Arena against Missouri. 
And then again on Sunday, January 19th at 2 p.m. against Southern Illinois Edwardsville. And then a couple of road duels before CMU comes home for three straight matches to close out the season. February 7th, that's a Friday at 7 against Buffalo. February 9th, that's a Sunday at 2 p.m. against Kent State. And then February 21st, a Friday at 7 p.m. against Michigan State. Uh, and then the Mid-American Conference Championships, March 7th and 8th. And then eventually the NCAA Championships, March 19th through the 21st. And Andy, I, I, I hated to do that, but because uh, that, was, that, was that was a fantastic segue. That was a fantastic segue um, to the CMU gymnastics team. And gymnastics team going through arguably one of its biggest transitions in a couple of decades. And yeah, in a couple of, couple of decades. Yeah, I mean, with, we lost two of our most tenured coaches with Guevara leaving, you know, Yonker left. So. Talk three. Three, three, yeah, three, three now. Three of the big coaches. And then, um, obviously, you know, gymnastics was it's a different animal with all that stuff that went down. But you, you look at, you know, the, the transition's a little bit, it's kind of like basketball. It's a little bit different. It yeah, doesn't it, feel quite as tra- as much of a shakeup as, as you might assume. Yeah, because Jerry Reichardt did not leave on his own terms. I mean, he, he was fired by the university, and Christine McDonald was able to, step into the interim role and lead the team to a second place finish in the MAC championships and a berth in the NCAA championships, which is, I don't want to say it's unheard of, but it's, it's, I don't think the team didn't miss a beat. That's the thing. The team didn't miss a beat when, when Reichard was, was fired and, and McDonald took over. Um, McDonald eventually turned that interim role into the full-time head coaching role, so she's she's here to stay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like you said, if you're, you know, McDonald, I mean, you led your team to the NCAA tournament. You know, the, you're in the cream of the crop as far as gymnastics programs in the country go. If I'm AD Michael Alford, what do you want more than that? I mean, she basically coached that team for half of the season due to all the circumstances. So if your goal, as Alfred always says, is championships and diplomas, you're going to get it there because that's, you know, not something that the team has necessarily ever struggled with. So why why go outside if of the program if we're going to say, you know, if McDonald wasn't involved in the situations, then why shouldn't she, you know, why don't you get a player who's a coach who's going to be, you know, Someone right. that your gymna- gymnasts are recognize and enjoy competing for. All right, and she's been she's been here for the better part of two decades. I think twenty. I think this is her twenty fifth year of coaching, either as an assistant, as an associate head coach, or now the head coach. She's also a gymnast here in the nineties. Yeah. So like she 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 knows this program like the back of her hand. She knows it very very well, and now she's tasked with leading the program, and and that's something that. I don't think she takes lightly. She obviously, she I mean, she obviously takes it seriously. It's it's her job, right? But she has such an infinite, such an affinity for this university and for this program that it's not going to miss a beat. And it it didn't miss a beat. Um, you know, Chippewas went on the road to Michigan State and had a had a try meet against Northern Illinois State and Michigan State. And the Chippewas came out and won that first 
try meet, which against a team like Michigan State, I don't, I don't think he would have maybe expected that, but they went out and, and took care of business. It's kind of looking at the schedule as a whole. Uh, the Chippewas open MAC competition against Eastern Michigan on January nineteenth. Go on the road to Ohio State. That's going to be a that's going to be a tough, tough, uh, tough meet for them. And then they come back and open uh, after a couple of other meets. They they open their home calendar uh, on February sixteenth. That's a Sunday at one p.m. against Kent State. A duel against Kent State, which that's that's where February I think is where is where the season really gets gets going. It's where it gets good. If if you're CMU and, and the Chippewas were picked to finish first in the Mid American Conference, both to win the regular season championship and to win the postseason like to win the MAC championships. Which Christine McDonald sees as a huge honor. She she said that she was really thankful for the um, respect from her peers, but she doesn't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. She just wants to go out and do it. Well, I think all coaches are going to say that because at the end of the day, I, I quick give me a guess how many Mid-American Conference championships you think Christine McDonald's been a part of here. I want to say 19. 15. Dang it. 15. I mean, it feels like 19, but when you've won 15 times, you know that it's not preseason awards and recognition that get you those championships. It's hard work during the season, and you know it's the same thing with you talk to Heather Osterley and stuff like that. It's awards in preseason recognition are nice, but it's the work during the season, and it's it's especially nice when you can look at your players and say, "Did you like what we did last year? Then we've got to put in that same work this year." And no one's going to hand us a MAC championship. We actually have to go out and compete and do our routines the way we have. And, I mean, there, there's a couple of gymnasts, you know, Danelle Pedrick, who was really, really good last year. She's a senior this year. I mean, she was Mac Gymnast of the Year last year. I think there's a potential for a repeat performance there. It, this is a team who can win the Mac. And probably, if we're being honest with our expectations, should. Like, there's no reason that they shouldn't. But that's a lot of pressure, too, on any team to just continue to go back to back to back to back to back to back. Right. And <laughs> I, I don't think that that's I don't think that that's something on the forefront of their mind. Obviously, it's a goal to go win your conference, but they. They and, and, and maybe it, and maybe I'm wrong in saying that, you know, a goal for them is just to start out, improve, peak at the right time, win your conference, go to the NCAA championships and I mean, they almost beat Illinois. Who, if I'm not mistaken, they'll they'll take on Illinois in the regular season this year, uh, March first down in Champaign, Illinois, of course. So, I mean, and and they were I think maybe six or eight tenths away from moving on to to. And really, it was more of like a of a play-in duel kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, um, a qualifier, I think, is what they called it. Um, so you you know you're less than a whole point away from from moving on to the to the to the big dance, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so just just the way that that CMU has been able to do its thing, really, in in the MAC and and take care of business. Um, you mentioned Pedrick, Morgan Tong. She mm-hmm. was the freshman, yeah, of, the freshman year, of the year. Freshman of the year last year. 
she obviously she she returns obviously as a sophomore, and she looks to provide a, a big spark for CMU. So it, it it's it's going to be really interesting to see not only the transition and see how and really how well it's already started, but to see how that transition continues and again how 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 the team continues to improve throughout the the rest of the season and kind of who steps up into the, some of those bigger roles. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's one of those things where it's, again, you can't win a championship by, you can't win it on the first day. You've got right. you, you've got to win meet by meet, and, you know, we'll see how they continue to do, but there's nothing that suggests at right now that this isn't a team capable of repeating their performances that we've quite honestly seen now for two or three decades. Exactly. Consistency. So I I think she was a good pick to take over and she'll continue that you know trend of of winning and, you know, graduating really good gymnasts from this program and it's it's gonna be exciting to watch even as if you're a student here who doesn't necessarily get all the ins and outs of gymnastics. This these girls are gonna make it look fun and you're gonna walk away, I think, going wow. <laughs> I I didn't know human beings could do that. Right. I mean, uh, I covered gymnastics last year. Um, not necessarily the the administrative part of it, but actually following the team itself. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because I, I, I had a little bit of background with gymnastics, but it was really interesting to, to learn a lot. And I, I uh, appreciate the team for, for I, I guess, uh, p- passing that knowledge along and, and um let me learn about the team itself, but that is going to be it from us guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure you check us out at CM life at CM life sports on Twitter. I mentioned our, our reporters, Twitter handles, and as always make sure you check us out on at CM hyphen life.com for Andy. I am Austin. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.